Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019. And my topic today is the restoration of the remnant. And it's a very encouraging topic to me because the more I dig into it, the more I see that we are truly blessed by God to have been born in this time when God is fulfilling prophecies and his plans that have been in place for thousands of years and surely he's waited a long time to see this but we were uh, purposely chosen to be born at this time uh, to see things that generations previous would like to have seen but they did not see and so today I'm going to lay out the context of some Bible prophecies and also confirm them with some uh, more recent prophecies that reveal God's plans to bring restoration in his people that goes totally contrary to all that we hear the trouble in the world the trouble that's happening now and the trouble that's coming upon the world now I do believe we are to be watchmen we're to know the times that we're living in we're instructed to be on the alert and so it's good to be aware of what's happening in the world but the bigger context and the more important things for us to focus on are on what God is doing and not on what uh, uh, the spirit of fear the spirit of this world is bringing on us because God is greater than all those things and his plans for us are for restoration and I'm talking total restoration of everything that's been stolen from us and from our forefathers and for many generations and God revealed this plan to his prophets he revealed it to Malachi and Malachi's words were confirmed by Jesus so that we know that we're not misinterpreting because when the disciples asked Jesus about John the Baptist Jesus explained to them that he is Elijah who is to come he said if you're willing to receive it he is and he's referring to the word that Gabriel the angel Gabriel spoke over John the Baptist uh, before he was even born saying that this child he's going to minister in the spirit and power of Elijah and later Jesus explained further that Elijah is coming first and will restore all things now when he said that to the disciples he was speaking in the future tense saying he is coming first and will restore all things then he says but I say to you Elijah has come already and they did not know him and did to him whatever they wished and then the disciples understood he was talking to them about John the Baptist so here you have Jesus uh, mentioning two assignments of Elijah one who has come already in the past tense and the other who is coming and will restore all things and so Elijah had two assignments with the first one being to minister through John the Baptist one man ministering in a very small nation in a very small place and it was a job an assignment that one man could handle but Jesus also referred 
to another assignment. Elijah is coming first and he will restore all things. He's quoting a prophecy from Malachi. In Malachi chapters 3 and 4, he specifically identifies the coming ministry of Elijah and he connects it with the timing of the day of the Lord. He says Elijah is coming prior to the day of the Lord. Now this day of the Lord is not referring to the day that Jesus came the first time. Malachi was very specific and it confirms many other prophecies regarding this day of the Lord which is referring to the return of the Lord at a time when God brings judgment upon the world. And Malachi chapter 4 verse 1 confirms that, Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. Now those things clearly did not happen during the time when Jesus came the first time, but they are coming when he comes back. He came the first time as the lamb, he's coming the second time as the Lion of Judah, and he's going to uh, wage war against his enemies. And his enemies are those who reject him, not those whom he has rejected. Because the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. But if they want to choose the way of destruction, he's given them the freedom to make that choice. Now, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2 is for us because verse 1 he just revealed his plan for the unrighteous but in verse 2 he reveals his plan for the righteous and he's telling us that these things that are coming upon the world are not for us in fact the opposite is happening at the same time as the world goes into darkness and destruction the righteous go into restoration and it says in Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 but to you who fear my name the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves now this reference to the son of righteousness that's not the S-O-N but the S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness, shall arise. So righteousness is arising like a sunrise. And that is consistent with what Isaiah saw as darkness falls over the earth. The light of God arises in us, in his people who walk uprightly before him. And that righteousness is the key to the restoration because without righteousness there can be no restoration which is why there can be no compromise with unrighteousness and this ministry of restoration is the ministry of Elijah because Jesus said he's coming and he will restore all things so it's kind of ironic that at the same time that the world is suffering great loss. The unrighteous are suffering great loss and devastation. The righteous are enjoying uh, restoration 
of things that we have been have been rightfully ours all along but were stolen from us either because we were not aware of it or because we were not qualifying or, or meeting his requirements to qualify for the promises of what he has for us but God is restoring first of all the message of righteousness so that we begin to understand what belongs to us and we see the promises that he has made to us in every area of our life and we begin to take possession we begin to understand what we need to do to qualify for the promises and as we do it releases our righteousness by qualifying for the promises releases God to bring to pass all those things that he has always wanted to do for us and this was the message that was on my heart after I received the two dreams that I shared in my book Remnant uh, back in December of 2015 after receiving those dreams I was like laser locked in to this message of righteousness and I just couldn't stop thinking about it and it made me hungry to dig in and study and understand it and the whole process took a long time but as I studied I discovered there were 222 promises and there's probably more but those are what I found 222 promises that God has made in which the only requirement is righteousness that if you if you qualify if you meet his requirements for righteousness you qualify for all the promises and so then as I began to study I began to see the connection to what God's plans are for these end times that this is the message righteousness will be the focus from here on out because his remnant army of believers are going to operate in the spirit and power of Elijah just like John the Baptist did because we are preparing the way for his return and his return he's coming back to establish everlasting righteousness he's coming to establish his kingdom which will reign on the earth for a thousand years and during that time he will reign with a rod of iron and, and that means that he will not tolerate it will not be like it has been the last six thousand years where you can uh, you can live right or you can uh, choose to live an unrighteous life he's going to rule with the rod of iron he's going to enforce uh, his way righteousness will be the way from here on out and by ruling for a thousand years he's going to demonstrate for everyone to see what we could have had all along and that's because righteousness brings restoration and by the end of that thousand years we're going to see uh, the earth restored in ways that we haven't seen before since the beginning and so that's the bigger picture of where all of this is headed but it starts now and it starts with this message of righteousness we've got to uh, get right with God and we've got to turn away from unrighteousness and as we do we begin to experience the fulfillment of his promises and we begin to grow 
take possession, and that's what it's talking about in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, where it says the Son of Righteousness arises with healing in his wings. We receive healing in every area, not just physical healing, but in every area of emotional, mental, all of the things that have been robbed from us, and we go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves, and growing fat shows an abundance, an overflow, more than enough, being well-fed, well-provided for. And I'm not just talking about material things, okay, because this is so much bigger. This is tapping into the source so that once we're plugged in, life begins to flow into us and into our lives and overflow into the lives of everyone around us. And, you know, there's a tendency, I've done this myself, but when we hear uh, the prophecies of the end times and we hear all that's going on in the world and we hear the plans that these wicked people have, uh, which are very disturbing, and we, we know the prophecies, uh, Revelation 6 talks about uh, many uh, righteous people are going to be put to death in the last days and all those things. I mean, for me, when I first started hearing about all that and especially the trouble coming upon the United States, the first thing I began to think about is how fast can I get out of here? And I think that's just a natural reaction of self-preservation. You don't want to have to go through any of that. But I believe God wants us to get beyond uh, all that and begin to operate at a higher level where we are not moved by any of those things, but, but we are so tapped in to what He's doing that all fear is gone. And all that remains is uh, abundance of life and blessings and overflow and there's nothing that this world can do about it they can't take it away from us they can kill our bodies but we still prevail even in death they can do whatever they want to try to um, uh, make us suffer in the physical realm but as long as we stay in that secret place with God, we always overcome every circumstance and every trial. It doesn't matter what it looks like because we have God's promises and we have the, the inner witness of His Holy Spirit that we know that we have everything. We have above and beyond what we need to get the job done and to see it through to the very end. And, of course, when we get uh, to, to that finish line, uh, we, we enter into everlasting rewards. So what do we have to worry about? Not anything. And, you know, that's the kind of mindset that just wreaks havoc in the camp of the enemy. He cannot stand it when we are full of joy and full of life, when it looks like our circumstances look like 
the smell of death is all around us. But when we're not moved by that, he's defeated. Because the devil, all he has against us is fear. That's it. He comes against us with fear, and as long as we see through his scheme and call his bluff, he's got nothing else. His only other plan is hightail it away from us as fast as he can possibly run. And so I'm, I'm tired of the devil uh, threatening and huffing and puffing and, oh, paint this picture of how bad it's going to be. No, I'm going to tell him how it's going to be because it's already been written and I've already been promised and I'm taking possession of what God has promised to give me. And he said that the only thing I have to do to qualify is to walk uprightly before him. And as long as I endeavor to do that, and I'm not talking about being perfect in every way or in every detail of your life, it's the hungering, it's the pursuit. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. See, if we just make it our sincere aim, if we just demonstrate our, our sincere purpose, then we qualify for all his promises. And that's the message that I believe is on the heart of God that he's given to his people to, to send this message of righteousness so that his people can qualify and begin to receive everything he has promised to do for us. And I want to share a prophetic word that Bob Jones received back in 1977. And at that time, the Lord told him, in 40 years, I'm going to begin to restore some things to the church. Forty years later is the year 2017. And I believe his timing is very significant because if you put it in the larger context of where we are on God's prophetic timeline, 2017 marks the end of 50 years from the time that the Jewish people reclaimed Jerusalem in 1967. And you might be thinking, what does that have to do with anything? Well, when I received those dreams back in December of 2015, I understood, because it was part of the dream, that I was to share the message and that this message was going to go forth uh, to beyond my friends and family. That's what I saw in the dream. And so afterwards, I began seeking God to help me understand what to do, how to do it. And the very first thing I got was to study Israel, which really threw me for a loop because Israel was not part of either dream. And I did, uh, based on what I got in my prayer time, I went ahead and started studying Israel and prophecies, all the prophecies of Israel, which I did include a lot of that in the book, but I didn't understand it for a, whole, for a long time. And it wasn't until I actually started writing the book that I started getting all these pieces of uh, amazing confirmations of things that shifted around 1967. And I started understanding that that was the colossal prophetic event uh, some people have wondered if maybe it was the rebirth of Israel in 1948, 
but they didn't have Jerusalem until 1967 and Jerusalem is the city he's returning to Jerusalem the city of the great king Jerusalem has always been the center of God's plans uh, from ancient times to to the return of the Lord he's coming back to Jerusalem and I want to share this prophecy from Rabbi Judah Ben Samuel and then I'll get back to the Bob Jones 2017 event which is the main thing that I'm trying to share today but just so you understand where we are and why 1967 is so important in the timeline there was a prophecy given to Rabbi Judah Ben Samuel and I've posted this on Z3 News a few years ago and I also included it in my book but in this prophecy he shares a word that was given to him by he had a visitation a vision and in this vision uh, the prophet Elijah appears to him which makes perfect sense when you uh, consider those scriptures I was sharing earlier that he's the one who's been given the assignment as the forerunner for the Lord's return and so the word was now he received this word in the year 1217 AD so this is over 800 years ago and this that's the great part about it because we have the benefit of hindsight to see that everything he was told happened exactly as he was told which builds credibility for the main point of what he was told and so I'm just going to read this short word that he had it says when the Ottomans which was the Turkish Empire of the Muslim Empire when the Ottomans conquer Jerusalem they will rule over Jerusalem for eight jubilees eight jubilees is 400 years because a jubilee is a 50-year period so he says they will rule over Jerusalem for eight jubilees afterwards Jerusalem will be a no-man's land for one jubilee then in the ninth jubilee it will once again come back into possession of the Jewish nation which would signify the beginning of the messianic end time okay so now at the time that he received it of course he didn't know when it would start and that's how all these prophetic things work some of them don't start to be fulfilled sometimes for thousands of years and in his case the fulfillment started exactly 300 years later so it was in the year 1517 the first part of it the Ottomans conquered Jerusalem okay now what's significant about that 1517 that's the date that Martin Luther posted his 95 theses on the on the door of the church in Wittenberg Germany 1517 marked the beginning of a major transformation in the church it was the beginning of the Protestant Reformation as it's called the beginning of the Word of God going forth to the people that had been uh, hidden from them and uh, robbed from them for centuries by the Catholic Church and so 1517 you have a shift in Jerusalem you have a major shift in the church okay and they had possession of it for eight jubilees well it happened exactly as he was told because 400 years later 1917 British troops entered Jerusalem on December 11th the Ottomans were driven out of Jerusalem 
the British took possession December 11th. Now what's interesting about 1917 is it the whole world was in major uh, turmoil and transition at that time. It was in 1917 the United States declares war on Germany about a year and a half later brings World War I to a conclusion. 1917 you also had the Bolsheviks in Russia. Uh, the Russian Revolution ended a long period of the uh, Russian czars ruling that country. And what's interesting too is that it was exactly 11 months later, 11 months after December 11, 1917, was the end of World War I, and World War I ended on 11-11. And what I find interesting about that is 11 is a number that represents transition because the 11th hour is the final hour transitioning into midnight to start the new day. So you have exactly 11 months from December 11th, 1917 to November 11th, 1918, the end of World War One. 11 months, 11-11 transition into a whole new phase. And during this phase, Jerusalem, as, as Rabbi Judah ben Samuel was shown, it becomes a no-man's land for one jubilee, which brings you 50 years forward to 1967. And then he said at the end of that time, the Jewish people would reclaim Jerusalem, 1967. Now, that means that these dates, 1517, 1917, 1967, these are marking uh, jubilees. These are, these are jubilee years. And his prophecy continued that for one jubilee, the Jewish people would have possession of Jerusalem. So if we add 50 years to 1967, we come to 2017, and we see that's exactly uh, been fulfilled the way he was shown. They have had possession for that entire time. Now, he didn't say what happens after that, but we've already heard leaked information on President Trump's Middle East peace plan, which is to divide Jerusalem and give part of it to the Palestinians so they can uh, establish the, their capital of their nation of Palestine in Jerusalem. So he's going to, he's, so far he's been giving Israel what they wanted by moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. But he has already said in public speeches that he's going to then be asking Israel to do their part by making some concessions. And he didn't say what those concessions are yet, but he's setting the stage to ask them to give up part of Jerusalem. Now, all of that goes beyond, like I said, goes beyond Rabbi Judah ben Samuel's prophecy but the point is, everything he saw was fulfilled. And what happens after this uh, is implied that they might not have full possession of Jerusalem in the future. And that's exactly what the scriptures tell us, that Jerusalem will be trodden underfoot by the Gentiles for 42 months. But God's plans for Israel are very similar 
in many ways to his plans for the church and that's why it's so helpful for us to understand his plans for them and where we are on his timeline um, because just as they're facing days of trouble ahead they're also undergoing an incredible time of restoration and that's a promise that God has stated repeatedly in Old Testament prophecies in Amos 9:14 he says I will restore the exiled who were formerly taken in captivity of my people Israel and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them they will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit I will also plant them on their land and they will not again be rooted out from their land which I have given them and so in both the church and in Israel we have days of trouble ahead and days of great restoration at the same time and so these parallels between Israel and the church are very helpful and so when they get to the end of a jubilee when they get to the point of a shift it's an important uh, date for us as well and so when Bob Jones gets this prophecy in 1977 that 40 years I'm going to restore some things to the church it just happens to coincide with the end of Israel's first jubilee of having possession of Jerusalem so there's a shift there and there was all kind of prophetic words around that time too uh, Sundar Selvaraj was getting prophetic words about uh, a shift in governments and lands uh, right around that 2017 time and you're seeing that uh, beginning to play out these things are shifts they're, don't, they're not like they happen in five minutes but shifts that begin a new uh, season now I thought his timing was interesting too because that same year 2017 June the 10th I received a dream confirming what he heard and in this dream I discovered that human beings could breathe underwater and we discovered it had been possible all along we just didn't know it and we were told there was an announcement that we anyone who was willing could go out and explore the bottom of the ocean and lay claim to the land like back in the old pioneer days and anyone who laid claim to the land would would possess it and it was that easy just go claim it and so I was very excited about this news and I went to share it with some friends some of my close friends and they were excited too and we started making plans to go out there and claim our land so everything was going well until I went and I shared this with a larger group of Christians and after meeting with them it seemed to go well but apparently um, I, I stirred up some opposition because in the next scene I'm back at home and I was in my basement and someone tries to break into my home up on the uh, main floor and I knew that they had a gun so this was some serious opposition coming against me um, in trying to take possession of what God wanted me to have um, I knew he had a gun but I went and I grabbed a machine gun 
and waited. I was prepared, but the attack didn't come because I was prepared and I had more powerful weapons um, to fight back with. And so I proceeded with the plan and went with my uh, first group of friends. We went out um, and traveled to the bottom of the ocean. And when we got there, we were amazed because we found that there were already roads there. There were already paths that others had made long ago. There were no people around, but we discovered people had clearly been there long before us. And we also were amazed to find that you didn't even need to swim. You could just walk, and it was like beautiful rolling green fields. Um, not like you would expect, you know, a muddy, barren ocean floor to look like. So we just walked on these trails, and as we did, we came across um, buildings. We came across large industrial type buildings and uh, so it was obvious that again that others had been there before us and the more we kept going we saw uh, large vehicles large industrial type structures there were no people anywhere they were all abandoned but all of these things were there showing that others had been there long before us and this dream is all about restoration because you see all those things we discovered others had already been there and had possession but it was not passed on to our generation so we were having to go and rediscover what had been given long ago and one of the reasons why these things were lost is because we thought it was impossible. It was just generally accepted that it was not possible to breathe underwater or to walk along the ocean floor. Um, so nobody even went there and generations passed. But yet others had been there long ago and that is consistent with the scriptures. For example, when Daniel, he was told uh, amazing things about the future and then he was told by the angel Gabriel, seal these things up in a book because they're not for now. These are for the time of the end. And then the seals will be broken and these, uh, these insights will be restored at that time. And the same thing happened with the Apostle Paul. He was taken up into the third heaven and he was shown amazing things, but he was told uh, you're not allowed to tell these things. These are not to be shared. So these are some examples from the scriptures of people who have gone out into the deep things of God and had taken possession of great revelation, but it was not passed down. It was not allowed to be passed down and was sealed up until a time coming at the end and that's what's happening right now so when Bob Jones is talking about restoration there's some things being restored to the church there was a shift in Israel in 2017 at the same time God is beginning to release some things to the church that have been lost 
Now, if you notice in my dream, it was embraced by my small group of friends, but when I tried to share it with the larger group of Christians, I encountered uh, deadly opposition. And that is revealing the remnant, the righteous remnant, who embraces what God is doing at this time and pursues it, as opposed to those who are lukewarm and uh, not pursuing, not walking close enough with God that they're in sync with what he wants to do for them. And the man who came and attacked me, he was just representing um, satanic opposition. The devil will use people, he'll often use Christian people to attack other Christians. In fact, most of the attacks on people who are doing anything of any consequence for God comes from other Christians who somehow think it's their ministry in life is to attack their brothers and sisters. But they're only doing it, they're being used by Satan, they just don't know it. Now, the scheme didn't prosper against me because I was, I had every right to be where I was. I was in my own home, on, on my own, you know, my own property, and I was well armed. And so that's just showing that all we have to do to take possession is stand our ground and fight back, resist when Satan comes to steal what God has promised to give to us. We resist, stand firm. And by grabbing my machine gun, it illustrated standing firm. And my weapons were far more powerful than those that came against me. He had a handgun, I had a machine gun, it was going to be a mismatch and the devil didn't want any part of it. Once he understood that I wasn't backing down, the fight was over. Now when we went to the bottom of the ocean, we discovered it was far better than we expected. And that again is an illustration of what's ahead, the restoration of what God is giving us and bringing us into we're picturing maybe a muddy bottom of the ocean. Instead, we see these beautiful rolling green hills. We're picturing having to swim like fish, but we find out where God had perfectly designed us for these things. So we were able to walk upright and walk in them and take possession. And I believe that shows that we're going to be surprised at how well God has designed us for what he has for us ahead. And the reason why we saw industrial buildings and businesses and, and business industrial vehicles, those are all things that are used to generate wealth. And I believe the dream is showing that God's going to restore insights to his people that are going to unlock uh, wealth and allow us to produce great wealth and that wealth is going to be used for his kingdom's purposes. It could include insights into what's coming in uh, prices in the market so that we know things ahead of time. It could include creative ideas so that we're able to uh, do things in a unique way, invent things it could, uh, it could come in the form of understanding 
of historical patterns, the, giving us the wisdom and understanding to, to build something and manage it uh, in ways that had not been done previously. So I believe what I was seeing in this dream is what Isaiah saw in Isaiah 45 verse 3. The Lord says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. And going out into the bottom of the ocean, that represents going out into the deep things of God to take possession of the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of the secret places. These places are out there. We just don't know about them. But God is going to give us those insights as we walk uprightly with him. Now, amazingly, Isaiah uses the language in Isaiah 60, verse 5, he uses the language that God is going to give us the abundance of the sea. So, he's talking about hidden treasures of darkness, riches of secret places, and now he's talking about giving us the abundance of the sea. He's using the same kind of imagery that I saw in my dream. And I studied the Hebrew words used in verse 5 to get the amplified meaning. And what he's saying is that God's going to show us insights that are going to make our heart radiant and sparkling with joy and filled with awe. And so much so that it's going to cause us to tremble as we make room for the abundance of the sea. And I believe the most wonderful part of that is going to be growing in our knowledge and our relationship with God because he is our great reward but I also believe these uh, these riches that are going to be unlocked are going to be used in tangible ways to help um, finance the end-time harvest and all the costs associated with that and there are many examples uh, of God doing that in the past where he transfers the wealth of the nations and specifically identifies it in tangible terms like multitudes of camels, gold, silver, flocks, herds, clothing, tents. Because what he's doing in these last days, he's going to make a distinction He's going to make a visible, noticeable difference between who belongs to him and who doesn't. Not just in um, the joy and the love and the character that we demonstrate, but in every area of our life. Overflow. And people will look at us and say, God is with them. Now, the best part about all this, you know, Isaiah wrote these things so long ago. But I believe this is what Bob Jones saw being restored to the church starting in 2017. He didn't even get to live to see the fulfillment since he passed on. I forget exactly, but it's been a couple years ago. But here we are in 2019, and we have already started into this next season. We're going to start to see the manifestation of these things coming to pass, and I believe God is encouraging us uh, to pursue 
and to receive and to go out just like in the dream go out into the deep and claim the the land it's there for the taking right now the invitation is going out right now and this is the ministry of Elijah his forerunner assignment Jesus said Elijah is coming to restore all things and Malachi saw him restoring relationships between fathers and children and children's uh, hearts turning to their parents and Isaiah saw restoration in sons and in our sons and daughters who have wandered far away he saw them coming back God is bringing restoration in our lives in every area so he can put us on display like jewels and demonstrations of the final book of the Bible he's finally gonna have a people who can demonstrate the true nature his nature in us so everyone can see I want to close with one more confirmation which I found amazing I received an email from a lady who is a Z3er her name is Gisela Weisenberg and she's a Jewish believer in Jesus and just so happens that she's also a resident of Israel and so she sent an email showing or sharing what's happening there because she's finding it amazing because you know Israel is such a dry arid climate in the Middle East but the climate is being transformed and it's just starting to happen now and she says you won't hear this in the mainstream news but this is her report I want to read this uh, email she says I want to share with you information regarding the changing climate in Israel this summer we began enduring one heavy shift in the Negev climate a part of the heat that is becoming mild in the area where I live we didn't cross the 40 line that's 40 degrees Celsius which will be 104 degrees Fahrenheit until yesterday and it was due to a heat wave that's more common during springtime so she's saying that the weather has been much more mild than it is historically but she says we're suffering miserably because of the rising humidity yes in the middle of the desert last night around midnight it was 30 degrees Celsius that's 86 degrees Fahrenheit with 60 percent humidity and I'm not dreaming for tomorrow the morning will be even worse as Ashalem and Beersheba will get around 69 percent humidity and the area of I don't even know how to pronounce this Seaboker will enjoy 90 percent humidity she says I take it with a smile I know it is a must how come because he showed me last year that the village where I currently live will become a lush garden before he comes back and it is even scriptural now until his glorious presence will cover Zion the land requires water in the form of rain well last winter was one of the rainiest winters in the Negev in the last 70 plus years that included multiple flash floods this flash floods in the desert this brings more vegetation that retain moisture 
which in turn attracts more rain the next winter. So you get the picture. Hopefully next winter I'll take pictures of the green fields which were formerly sand dunes and send them for your delight. So here we have a real-time report from Israel of the rainiest winter in over 70 years. So it did not begin in 2019. It actually began in 2018, which is right in line with the shift, the end of the Jubilee and the start of a new Jubilee in 2017. It's bringing the most rainfall in the dry, arid desert that they've had in 70 years and humidity levels in some areas at 90%. So God is moving in Israel and he's moving in his people, the righteous remnant today. This is a fulfillment of what Joel saw in Joel 3.18. He describes a time, he says, it will come to pass in that day the mountains shall drip with new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah shall be flooded with water. A fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Acacias. And that's in Joel 3, verse 18. And Isaiah saw a similar thing. He says, Those who come he shall cause to take root in Jacob. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. That's Isaiah 27, verse 6. And that has already been happening as Israel has become one of the world's biggest exporters of fruit and vegetables. And it's amazing what God has done in the ideas and inventions he's given the Israelis because they've learned how to reuse 86% of their water, which is way more than any other nation. They'll recycle their water and use it for irrigation purposes, but they've also developed technology that allows them to take water from the Mediterranean Sea and convert it into drinking water at a very low cost, and so much so that they're able to get over half the, the drinking water for their nation now comes from the sea, and they're even able to share that water um, with Jordan and with the Palestinian people. So in a land where they have historically had a severe lack of water, they're literally overflowing with water. I believe it's a sign and a wonder pointing to the fulfillment of another prophecy that Zechariah saw that in the days to come living water is going to flow from Jerusalem. He saw half of it flowing toward the eastern sea and half toward the western sea year-round. And that's God's plan is he's going to use Jerusalem, make Jerusalem a blessing to the whole earth. And that's good news for us because whatever happens in Israel is what's happening with us. And right now what's happening is an amazing time of restoration. And so that's what I wanted to share with you today. But I want to briefly mention what I'm going to be sharing in upcoming podcasts. And this, again, is all about restoration because I've learned recently 
that we have been robbed of our knowledge of history. We have not been taught in school uh, the truth of what's happened in the past, and these things have been stolen from our generation, and so it's, it's caused us to have a distorted perspective of what's happening in the world today and what's coming in the future, and I believe God is restoring this is one of the major things he's restoring is our understanding of of the past, the present, and the future. And it starts with understanding uh, the past. And I have over the last, well, starting back in 2014, I started having these dreams about world events and just totally changing my perspective. But it has continued to unfold and it's gotten to the point recently where I've been able to understand some things that never made sense to me and everything's falling into place. There were things that just didn't make sense and it's it's all making sense and I've been wanting to share some of it but not sure where to start and I believe God has given me a direction to start at the beginning. Why not? And so, since we're talking about shifts in this podcast, this is a shift. I am shifting the focus. I am shifting the direction. And I am going to be sharing insights into past historical events and connecting them to current and future events. And I briefly touched on this in my book because it is a fulfillment of the promise of God to the righteous to restore things to us. And I compared it to a scene from the movie The Matrix where Neo is uh, given a choice between the red pill and the blue pill. And that's the best way I know how to describe this. It's an invitation to take the red pill. The red being the color of the blood of Jesus that paid for our righteousness and are for righteousness versus the blue pill which uh, was explained to Neo that if you take the blue pill you will wake up in the morning and believe whatever you want to believe all blue sky ahead unfortunately it's not true but I'm inviting you to join me on this journey as we uh, venture down a humongous rabbit hole that has all sorts of implications for what's happening in our world today. Okay, I'm going to stop there for today. So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long. <laughs>